Hey guys, this is David. We wanted to let you know about an exciting opportunity we don't want you to miss out on. We are hosting our annual Awaken Conference Labor Day weekend in Dallas, Texas. Join 4,000 other young adults from all over the country and world to be a part of seeing an awakening of the hope of the world, which is the church of Jesus in our generation. Go to theporch.live to get a ticket before they sell out. Hope to see you at Awaken 2022. specifically Ports Live Tulsa, Midland, Texas, Austin, Texas, Fort Worth, Texas, Cincinnati, all the different live locations, and of course, everybody here, we're kicking off a brand new series tonight called FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions, where you asked, we have listened to hundreds and thousands of emails, DMs, just people with frequently asked questions, and we want to provide weekly answers that come from God's word on how to think about and what God has to say about certain cultural topics, certain topics and just mysteries of life, and tonight we are kicking that off. Let me show you guys something you probably haven't seen since you were like seven. We've seen one of these before. Yeah, they're still around. This is my kids, specifically my six-year-old son and four-year-old daughter's new favorite toy. To the point where this morning, true story, they ran in our room early and they bust open the door and they say, can we find that magic ball? We can't, for where's the magic ball? We can't find it. And they have just obsessed over this thing where they just kind of realize it's their first introduction recently to it and they'll go up to it and they don't even fully understand how it exactly works or the questions they ask don't even make sense. So you're supposed to ask like, hey, will I end up getting this promotion? Shake, see it, that my daughter is just like, uh, uh, girls better than boys. Uh, and then she can't read, so she's like, what does it say? <laughs> oh, it's so great. And then my son asks questions too that are like ridiculous. He's like, is a polar bear the best type of bear? And then he shakes it and it's like, uh, he can read. Really hazy, try again. And they just love this and really it's, the first time they're being introduced to asking, hey, is it gonna be a good day tomorrow? And they shake it up and they'll talk really close to it because they think that does something. And then my son will read the answers. But really it's a reflection of a curiosity about the future that doesn't just happen when you're little. That inside of this room, there's still questions as it relates to what does the future hold for me? What does God have for me? Am I living God's plan for me? Is this the person I'm supposed to date? Is this the person I'm supposed to marry? What is the future career that I have in front of me or my future at this specific job that I have? Like, like even if I was right now to say, hey, who's, who's dating in this section right here? Anybody dating? Okay, two of you guys, all right? We're gonna have to really, really, you know what, cancel FAQ, we're doing a dating series, okay? If I was to say, what, what's your name? Natalie. And? Kyle. All right. It's Kyle's. Give it up for Natalie and Kyle. 
If I was to say, man, is it the plan for Natalie and Kyle to get married? You may rely on it. Wow, that just put a lot of pressure on that. Who's, who in this section would like a raise? Okay. Are you gonna get a raise tomorrow? Ask again later. Awesome. Uh, it is certain. Congratulations. You're going to get a raise. Now, here's what's funny is we know that's ridiculous and it's a joke and, you know, don't count on the raise. And Kyle and Natalie, you know, hopefully know that that's entirely a joke and all the pressure that just got out of that relationship shouldn't be present. But what's funny is, you know, if I was to do that and spot out certain relationships and I'm joking around and saying, don't we all kind of wish to know and want to know if it's true if in two years you know, this relationship gets married, they're gonna come back here and be like, it was that moment right there with the magic eight ball and God predicted that this was gonna happen because we have this desire to discern what God's will for our life is, to know and we look for signs and we're constantly curious about what is God's will for my life? Is this God's plan unfolding in my life? What does God have for me today and in this season, in this future? To the point where often we don't just look at magic eight balls, we're constantly looking for like signs and confirmations and, and things where we're driving down the road going, if I hit three green lights in a row, I am going to ask Becky on that date. Green, green, okay, it's turning yellow, I'm going to speed up through the light. Now I can ask her out on that date. Or I'll go and, I, you know, I got a crush on, you got a crush on Kyle and Kyle's around and tonight at Torchy's afterwards, you go and the guy behind the desk or the guy behind the counter, he's checking you out. And lo and behold, what is his name? Kyle. It's a sign from God. I was destined to be with him. And all of that's really silly. And I'm not saying God can't speak in unusual ways, but it's a reflection of this desire we have to know God's will. That I don't want to miss God's will. Is this God's plan for my life? And so tonight, I want to talk about that subject of God's will. And how you can know you are living within God's will or that you're living outside of it. And I also want to address, can I mess up God's will for my life? Because a lot of us maybe came into the room and we just carry an angst or a fear over, man, did I make the wrong decision? Did I take the wrong job? And I moved to that city and I really was never supposed to be here and I was supposed to be in another city. And had I been there, just the story would have been different. Had I never dated him or her, maybe I would have found someone else and my life would look way different than it is right now. Like, have I messed up God's will for my life? And I wanna walk through, and it's gonna be a little bit academic, but we're gonna talk about God's will because God, more than you even wanna know, his will for your life, wants you to know his will for you. And he has made it clear how you can pursue and understand his will, both in the day-to-day -day and in the big picture for your life. And so we're going to unpack specifically what God's will is and what the Bible means when it says that. And then I want to look at two things and how you can have better clarity on are you living in God's will for your life? And the first, in order to do that, I really have to unpack what the Bible says when the Bible talks about God's will. And if you've read it, you've come around different verses over and over where it says the will of God. This is God's will for you. This is the will of God that those who live according to the will of God. And there's two primary ways that that phrase, the will of God, 
is used in the Bible. And the first is it talks about his known will. So if you take notes, I'm gonna try to make this as non-academic and as clear as possible, but there's two categories. There's God's known will, and I'm gonna explain what that is, and then his unknown will. Now, you, you may have thought of it like that or never quite thought of it, but you kind of grasp those. By known will, here's what I mean. I mean his providential will. So when it says in different books in the Old Testament, God will bring about his divine plan. There's God's providential will and his moral will. That's the instructions for life and things that God would say, if you do this, it's gonna go well for you. That makes up the known will. So God's providential will, that is, hey, I'm going to send my son Jesus into the earth. He's gonna die on a cross, come back alive. Nothing man does can stop that. That's a part of the known will. And then there's his moral will for you. This is the instructions on life. What are some examples of God's known will? Or some examples of the moral aspect of his known will. First Thessalonians, it says, you and I are to rejoice or give thanks always, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. First Thessalonians 5.18. There's a lot of different examples. First Thessalonians 4 says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. That his will includes instructions that include you being sanctified, which is a word to be, that means to be made to look more like Jesus. His will would include that you do what's right, even if it costs you. This is all makes up his known will. What do I say that? That comes from 1 Peter 3, 17. It is better if it is God's will to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. So you have his known will, which includes kind of the big picture, God's sovereign, he's gonna do it. And then his specific instructions and principles on how to live life. And then there's the unknown will. And this would include his sovereign plan and what future he has ahead for you. And I wanna talk for the next little bit about how those are related to one another and how they play off of each other and how in order to know his unknown will for you, the future that he has, how you can know that you are walking in step with his unknown will, how it requires an understanding and an application of his known will. So the first section or thing that I wanna camp out on is how living in God's will means point number one, applying God's known will to your life. If you want to know, am I living outside or inside of God's will for my life, it means I'm going to apply his known will, specifically those moral instructions to my life, I know that when I'm obedient to those, I am living inside of God's will for my life. And in fact, if you gotta leave early, you get nothing else as it relates to this sermon. Here's what I want you to hear. Your ability to discern God's unknown will for your life is directly related to the degree of obedience you have in his known will for your life. Let me say it again. Your ability to know, hey, when something happens and you get this job and is that the Lord calling me to this new city or are we supposed to get married and maybe we're supposed to, your ability to know, hey, this is God's leading and this is God's plan and this is God's doing and this is God's will. In those moments is directly related to your obedience to his known will. The things he's already said, hey, these are the things that I want to be a part of your life. 
And if you're not living inside of that, then your ability to determine and decipher, is this God's will, is gonna be diminished or impossible. Why do I say that? Romans chapter 12, verse two says this. Don't conform to the pattern of this world. In other words, don't let your life look like everybody else in the world. Don't date like the world. Don't spin like the world. Don't dress like the world. Don't speak like the world. Don't, when you look around at the world, be like, huh, everybody looks just, snacks just like me. Rather, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you begin to think differently. You begin to think like God's word says, and it leads to different thinking and different living. Transformed living comes from transformed thinking. Paul says, hey, don't live like everybody else. Have your mind transformed by God's word. And then he brings up God's will. You will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. He says, you know how you can know the unknown will of God in your life? And it's God at work and what God is up to is by having your mind and your living and your thinking transformed by his known will that you begin to apply. There's certain things that, let me just be honest. The answer, can I not be in God's will? Of course. In fact, it'd be unloving for me to say that everyone in this room was in God's will right now, living in accordance with God's will for their life. It's not true. Because there's certain things the Bible said that you're not doing. And I'm speaking particularly to Christians, that God has specific desires and a will for your life. And there's categories that it's abundantly clear. They relate to your work, relationships, dating. Like what are some of the things that God's will, his known will, and if you're gonna apply and live according to his will, it will include? Well, for everyone, part of God's will is that you would know Jesus. You would have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Second Peter chapter three says, God wants no one to perish, but everyone to come to faith and salvation in Jesus. Part of God's will, whether you're a believer or Christian or not, and the reason you're in this room right now, and candidly, the reason you have breath in your lungs still is because God is pursuing a relationship with you. He gave his life on the cross and died in your place and in my place, paid for every sin, past, present, and future you will ever commit because he wanted to have a relationship with you, and then he came back alive. And anyone who accepts Jesus is the payment for every sin and everything wrong they've ever done in their life. The Bible says he's gonna live eternally with God, just like Jesus came back alive. So part of his will includes you knowing Jesus, but let's drill on a little further. Like, what is God's will for your work? If you're a banker, you're a barista, you were an accountant, you're a teacher, you don't have a job right now. What is God's will for your work? Well, Colossians chapter three says, whatever you do, Work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord and not for human leaders or masters that you would, whatever you did today, as much as you don't like your job, you wish you would have another career and you're exploring different, you know, LinkedIn opportunities and you may go back to school for another career. God says, hey, whatever you did today, you want to know how you can know you're in the will of God as it relates to your job, your career, that you worked hard today as you were not working for a paycheck or a person, you were working for the Lord. That's what he just said. In other words, today, during your office hours or you're hanging at the office, you weren't scrolling through Amazon, going through the prime day to see what kind of deals and taking advantage of your employer. You work hard 
And you can know if you are working hard as though you're working for the Lord as it relates to your work, you're in the will of God. And you can know that if you're taking advantage and that you are ripping off the person who's employing you, you're lazy, you're outside of God's will for your job. And God candidly is a lot more concerned about how you work, where you work, than he is about where you work. And if you wanna be inside of God's will for your work, it relates to, man, I'm gonna work hard as though I'm working for the Lord. What are some other commands that I can know I'm living, or I can know I'm living outside of God's will? Let's talk about love life, romantic life, God's will and relationships, because there's some really clear ones that are in there. The Bible says that God's will, if you're a Christian, is that you would marry somebody who loves Jesus. They don't just check a box on Facebook, says I'm a Christian, that they love Jesus. They're a follower of Christ. They're passionate about them. And if you're dating somebody who is not that, Listen to me very closely. As somebody who has no other than a vested interest in seeing you experience all that God has for you, no other motivation, if you're dating someone who's not a believer, you are living outside of God's will for your life. You are living in disobedience to God's will for your life. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14 says, do not partner together or marry together or date together with unbelievers For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? What's another aspect of God's will for your love life? That you would pursue sexual purity. The Bible says sex is intended for the context of marriage. So if you're dating and you're having sex, you are living outside of God's will for your love life. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, it says this. It is God's will that you would be sanctified or made to look more like Jesus. That you would avoid sexual, what is God's will? That you would be made to look more like Jesus and that you would avoid sexual immorality, which is sex in any context outside of marriage. And that you should learn to control your own body. We've done entire messages on why God's heart is that. And it's certainly not to rip you off. It's certainly not because he's a killjoy. God created sex. He's the inventor of it. So he's not against it. He created it for a specific context. And if you're sleeping together, you are directly outside of God's will for that dating relationship. Now here's where this is real. I, in doing this for the last 12 years, I've had a lot of conversations with couples and they get engaged or they want to get engaged and they'll come down front and sometimes we have a relationship and they'll ask, will you do our two-on-two counseling or will you and your wife meet with us and as we look towards getting engaged or maybe they are engaged at some point and going through the counseling, I'll ask, are you guys sleeping together or are you pursuing purity? And sometimes the answer is, no, we, we, you know, it's not easy, but we are fighting for purity and you know, cannot wait for Things for that day. And then other times, it's, yeah, we are, but, you know, we, you know, we mess up once. It's just really hard not to. And we're, we're pretty much like, we're committed, and we're, we're going to get married. We may elope anyways. They always, there's always the, like, we may elope anyways. And, and I'll say, huh, so you think it's God's will for you two to get married. And yet, although we don't know if that's true, 
what God has clearly said is his will for you two. You were rejecting. Why would you be confident that you hear and know his will over here when you're not listening to it over here? And the more obedient and surrendered you are to the revealed known will of God, the better you will be able to detect God's unknown will for your life. And he has some very clear instructions as it relates to relationships. And he's not done with you. God's not done with the stories writing with you. But if that's your dating relationship right now, as somebody who cares and wants you to experience what God has for you in marriage, you may need to break up. Am I saying that's God's will? I don't know. I know you need to stop having sex if you're a follower of Jesus. That's for sure his will. So what else? Other things that are a part of God's will for your life, that you would be committed to a local church. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, obey or remember your leaders and listen to them as those who keep watch over your soul. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 says, don't neglect gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but continue day after day. That the Bible over and over hints that you are to be connected to a local church. And so if you're not a part of a local church, you are not living in line with God's will for your life. And I know there's reasons and you're going, yeah, but I just moved here. You moved here 18 months ago. And you keep shopping, but at least be honest with yourself, I am putting on pause being obedient to that part of God's will. Which is heartbreaking because when you're not listening and being sensitive to what God has already said, it's clear. You're going to be less fluent in the commands and additional unknown will that he has for your life. And so getting connected, plugged into a local church, that doesn't have to be here. There's a lot of great churches in Dallas. In fact, if you already have a home church, we always say go deeper into your church. We're not about stealing Christians. We want you to be the body of Christ wherever you're at. If you don't have a home church, welcome home. And you can find out more at Next Steps, which will be after the service, I think. That's right, it will. Okay, what else? Another one, what's a very clear, this is God's known will for your life. Am I living in God's will? Am I spreading the gospel? That Paul in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 says, do the work of an evangelist. In other words, all through scripture, there's applying God's known will. You know what God's will is for that broken relationship with that parent who really hurt you? It's that you would forgive them. You know what God's will is for that conflict that you have with that roommate? It's that you would run towards it. You know what God's will is for the gossip that you participated in today? That you would ask for forgiveness for that. Like there's very clear instructions. And if you're gonna be able to detect God's unknown sovereign will in your life, it will involve you pursuing to be obedient to his known will in your life. It's like this. If my wife sent me to the store and was like, hey, I want you to go buy groceries for the kids. I want you to get eggs. She gave me 10 lists. It's on a list, got her list, 10 things. It's on there, eggs, you know, milk, baby formula, bread, whatever else is on there. Sends me to the store, I get to the store and I'm around shopping. She knows that list should probably take me about 45 minutes, an hour goes by, hour and a half goes by. She calls me and I'm just wandering around the store and she goes, hey, what are you doing? And I'm like, well, I'm just kind of wandering the aisles wondering what I should get you or wondering what you would have me bring, have me bring home. And she says, 
Wait, did you lose the list? No, I got the list right here. Well, do you have all the 10 things in the basket that I have? I got like three of them, but I'm just wandering around, wondering and kind of looking at, I wonder if she would want this, or if she would want this, or if this is what she would have for me. Let me mosey on over to this aisle, never been here before. Look at all of these makeups. And I just wander around thinking and wondering what I should get. And I just, an hour, another hour goes by, another hour goes by, she go, what are you doing? I gave you clear instructions. And you're not even getting the things that I said to get. And yet, so many people spend their life as a Christian doing the same thing. God has given, given these clear instructions and we wander not around a store but through life going, I'm not doing most of the things he said, but I wonder what God's plan is for me. And I wonder if, you know, this serendipity moment will happen where I'll finally discover he was the one and though he didn't exactly have all the qualities God had, maybe that's just something special God has for me. And it's crazy, just like a husband wandering around with a list that clearly has identified, hey, these are the things to get. And yet, sadly, that's how a lot of us live our life. Because if we're honest, it's just not as sexy to just be faithful and do what God says and to seek to be obedient and to date like he says. Like there's part of us that just wants it to be easier and different and more clear than that. And God would say, I, I don't know, there's literally words on pages. I don't know how to make it any more clear. And so if you're gonna know his known or unknown will, it's gonna involve living obedient to his known will. So now I wanna go into discerning his unknown will, which is probably the thing that, like I said, nobody wants to hear, be obedient. Everyone wants to know, yeah, but how do I know if I got my pancakes in the morning and the chocolates look like a picture of a woman? If that's the woman that I'm supposed to go find that day. And so I wanna walk through how you can know and discern his unknown will. And how do you navigate specifically the grays? Like, hey, am I supposed to buy this car? Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to change jobs? Is it okay to be on a dating app? Should I get off the dating app? What should I do as it relates to this dating relationship? Should we break up? How generous should I be with my time? Should I move to a new city? So the second idea is discerning God's unknown will. And what I wanna do is, I'll explain it like this. This past weekend I took my son to a baseball game and on the way there, I did what most of us do many times, which is I, I pull out a maps or pull out GPS and I pull it out and I get out Waze. Do you know what Waze does? You probably do, or maps or whatever, your, whatever the Android equivalent of all of these things is. It is a global positioning system. Now, a GPS is something that you have on you and you want to use to get directions to take you to a destination. And that device will communicate with these satellites that are way up above you. And it will get information sent back and forth to help direct you on the journey to end up at the destination that you want to. And what I want to give handholds on is not a global positioning system, but God's positioning system and give you three things that work together. If you wanna navigate the unknowns of life and you wanna know how am I walking through and how can I discern, is this God's will for my life? How you can 
have greater clarity on that. So I'm gonna give you, as it relates to point number two, discerning God's unknown will. Discerning God's unknown will or decision-making. Three components of wise decision-making that all work hand-in-hand together. The first one is G. What does that mean? It means go to God's word, even if it is not directly addressed in scripture. What are the principles that inform the decision and the thing that I'm considering doing? In other words, even if it doesn't say, you should buy a Tesla. If I'm considering buying a Tesla, feels like better time than ever. If I'm considering that, what would God's word have to say about that? Not about car buying, but about decision making, about finances, about stewardship. That in every decision, I'm gonna first, gee, go to God's word, and I'm gonna begin to ask, what are the principles, what are the truths, what are the things that would inform this? The Bible says in Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all of your ways, submit to him, and he will make straight your paths. The Bible just said, hey, don't trust your heart. Trust in the Lord with all of the desires and everything that you want as it relates to your heart. Don't lean on how you think it should go. Don't rely on what you think is the best decision. Trust that to the Lord. And then it says, and he will make your path straight. You know what that means? It means God will make it clear when you do that what to do. But the more you begin to go, hey, I'm going to rely on what God, what would he say as it relates to this decision? And how would he speak and inform with the principles from scripture to what I should do? It said, don't trust your heart. It said, trust God with your heart. This is why the advice that candidly, like if you grew up in the 90s or in the 2000s, if you've watched a Disney movie ever, the advice has been given to you of listen to your heart. And the Bible says, the person who listens to their heart is a fool. It says this in Proverbs chapter 28, 26. He who trusts in himself is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. It says the heart is deceitful, like it will deceive you. That's why you end up in relationships with guys that you never should have been in a relationship and you just thought, man, you know, I'm gonna kind of a mission field to him and, and tell him about Jesus and it'll be great and maybe this is what God's will for me is. And it's blatant that's not his will, but your heart can deceive you. That's why we go to scripture and God, Verse nine of chapter 17 of Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful above everything else and beyond cure. So here's what I mean by, hey, what principles would God have that would inform this? Where it's not in chapter 14 of John, you're debating, do I go Ernst and Young or Deloitte? And you flip it open and you're like, and then Peter went to Deloitte and decided, because that's not how you apply scripture to that. But let's say you're deciding over taking a job here in Dallas or taking a job in your hometown, Nashville, and one's with Deloitte and one's with Ernst & Young. A way that you can know, man, am I living inside of God's will is by saying, hey, what principles would inform this? And what are the variables involved and how would I make that decision? So if one job is back home and it makes less money, the world would say, no, I mean, you take the job that's here take the more money. At the end of the day, here's how you make a decision. The dollar amount. But the Bible would say, he who chases after riches is a fool. It would also say that 
You and I, maybe you have somebody in your family back in Nashville or wherever you're from, and there's a job opportunity back there, and it may not be as much money, but you have someone in your family who's terminally sick. You have a parent. And maybe it's a single parent. You're reading the Bible and you're going, man, he says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, whoever doesn't provide for the needs of their family is worse than an unbeliever. He's denied the faith. And you come to the conviction by going to God's word and going, I think I'm supposed to move back home to care for my family. Maybe you're deciding on whether or not to move to another city. And a bad reason, or outside of God's will, or not necessarily, I can be confident this is God's will, is just, you know what, I've been in Dallas for a minute, let's try Phoenix. I just wanna kinda get out and sell my oats, and I just wanna mix it up. Am I saying that's wrong or sinful? No, I'm just saying it's a very different thing than you saying Hey, I'm going to move to Phoenix or Dallas because as I read the Bible, I'm living in an environment where I don't have good Christian community. And so every day, you know, I try to get plugged in. There just aren't opportunities where there's other young men or other young women like me. And so I'm going to move my life as inconvenient as it is in order to be connected to a place that is going to feed my faith. That I'm going to make this decision not based on just a whim, but on his word. And when you do that, you'll experience peace that I'm making, I'm living according to what God in his scripture has called me to do. So in order to do that, I gotta know God's word. So the first thing is we go to God's word. Maybe you're thinking about breaking up. How would you breaking up be informed by God's word? Because it's, it's not gonna say, hey, and then you should make sure you break up and you take her to TCBY. But it may say, you should probably do that in reverse order, by the way. Um, it may say, that, hey, this person is not helping your faith, they're hindering it. And that would be a reason where Paul says in first, or 2 Timothy chapter one, man, fan the flame of your faith. Where you go, man, if I'm just honest, they're, they're not helping me run towards Jesus, they're holding me back. And now you're biblically informed or you're operating underneath God's will a reason to not would just be, you know, they have all the qualities God says to look for, but I just have fear of commitment issues. And if that's true, maybe you should break up and work on your fear of commitment issues and not date anybody. But first, we go to God's word. The second is we P, pray for direction. So G, P, we pray for direction. James chapter one, verse five says, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God. God gives generously to all without finding faults and it will be given to him. That the Holy Spirit communicates to us through prayers. It's crazy how often people will be wrestling with a decision and they're wondering what I should do and what we should do, where I should live, where I should move in or move out. And I'll ask, have you prayed about it? Have you got alone and asked God, man, would you speak to me? Have you fasted? Have you sought through the scriptures and asked God, hey, I don't wanna operate according to just what I want and I can easily convince myself this is the right decision. I don't wanna do anything without you informing it, God. And maybe the step for you is to go and tonight alone in your room, in your car, at some point, is just go, God, what would you have? I'm listening. And before you even, maybe even speak, or I even feel like it's you, the answer is yes. Now know that God never speaks in a way that contradicts his word. But GP, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna 
seek out, count, or I'm gonna go pray for direction, the second one, and then finally S, that we seek wise counsel. The Bible says that you and I are to seek out other men and women who are godly, wise counselors. How do I know if someone's a godly, wise counselor? They counsel according to God's word. You could be in a community group all day long that doesn't open the Bible. Candidly, a lot of you are. And you get together and it's like, well, here's what I think you should do and here's what I think you should do. As lovingly as I could tell you, you should not care what you think you should do. You should care what God thinks you should do. You shouldn't care what your friends think you should do. Unless they're telling you, here's what I think God would have you do. And so we seek wise counsel. The Bible says this, there's so many verses, I can't include them all, but the way of a fool seems right to him. Fools never operate thinking, I'm a fool. They think, no, I think I'm right, bro. I think I got this. They always think it seems right. But a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15, 22, plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. One of the ways God speaks is the word of God and then with the people of God. Candidly, this is probably the reason, I'm moving quick, that my wife and I are married today. 10 years ago, almost to the date, we got engaged. About this time, 10 years ago, I had moments of panic like I had never in my life to that point experienced. And everyone tells you, you know, you're like, you know, it's the classic cold feet. And you're like, when you get it, and everyone's like, this is just cold feet. Everyone gets this. And you're like, no, they are frigid down there. I am freezing and freaking out. And I just remember a community coming along me and going, like, why, why are you concerned? And is any of the concerns that you have, are they biblical? We're not saying God's commanded you have to marry anybody, but you've been dating somebody who's a godly woman who loves Jesus, who has the criteria. We understand it. Does she not have any of the criteria that God says to look for in a spouse? And I was like, no, no, she has all of those things. Does she love Jesus? Man, she loves Jesus like no one I've ever met. Well, then why would you hit an ejection button? I don't know, I'm just afraid. And I remember they said something, and I don't even know if this is good advice, but they were like, here's what we're gonna do. You've got two weeks. Two weeks, you can panic all you want, but in two weeks, you make a decision, and you're either moving forward or you're moving off of it. And it did something in my heart. It's like in those two weeks, I was like, oh, I'm putting this to rest right now because I could just play the tape and just freak out all day long or I could trust God's word and go, God, this is who you say to look for and I love her and I'm gonna get married to her. But it was the gift of community around us that really saved, saved me from making one of the worst decisions I could have ever made or thankfully didn't. But we go to God's word, we seek him in prayer, we pray for direction and then we seek wise counselor. That's God's positioning system in your life. Here's some real quick questions for the gray areas of life, just in addition to all of that. Will this help my faith? So if you're stuck, here's questions, four of them specifically. Will this move? Will watching this show, will making this purchase, will changing these jobs, will listening to this song, will going to the bachelor party, will this help my faith? First Corinthians 10, 23 says everything's permissible. Not everything is beneficial. There's certain things. They may not be sin, but they're not gonna help your faith. Will this tempt someone else to sin? 1 Corinthians 8 says, I will not exercise my freedom and become a temptation for other people. So should you go to the bachelor party? Man, I don't know. Is it with your frat brothers from college that don't know Jesus and it's in Vegas at a strip club? Probably not. In fact, I'm gonna go hard pass on that one. But if it's with your community group guys at a lake house and you're coming together and Supporting and encouraging one another? 
Maybe so. So will it tempt anybody else to sin? Could it hurt the ability to share my faith at work as it relates to the decisions you make, the happy hours you go to, the way that you dress? Is it hurting or helping your ability to share your faith? Paul in 1 Corinthians 10 says, I'm not seeking my own good, but that many would be saved. Number four, what would most honor God? That question may be the only question you need. It's a pretty piercing question. Hey, I I know all the things on the table, but what is the most God-honoring thing I could do? 1 Corinthians 10 says, do everything to bring honor to God. It's the word glory. But to bring the most honor to God. I went, like I said, to this Rangers game, and I'm about to land the plane, and while we were there, we sat in this section, in the section, I'm with my son, and we entered into it, and there was just open seats all throughout our section. And you could sit in any of the seats that were there. You just had to stay in your section. So we kind of moved around throughout just different innings throughout the baseball game at the Rangers game. In life, in a lot of arenas for Christians, I just want to give you a pressure release valve. There's things that Scripture's not blatantly doesn't speak to. You may have two good things in front of you. And oftentimes, we think of God's will as like this one thing, and if I didn't do it that day, the domino hit, and then I've missed it ever since that time, and for the last 18 years, because I said no to that one hangout, I've been missing the will of God. God's will is not like a spot. It's not like a seat at a game. It's like a section. Are you supposed to marry her? I don't know. Does she have the qualities that God says to look for in the Bible? Because if she does, then the answer is, You're within the parameters God has set up. Are you working a job that you're supposed to work at? I don't know. Does it allow you to provide for your family? Does it allow you to proclaim the gospel, to be a light in a dark place? Does it rob your ability to be connected to a church, to serve people? Those are questions you gotta ask because there's a lot of times you're within the section and we focus on, man, am I in the right seat? And there's a lot of freedom as it relates to a lot of issues that, man, You don't have to marry him. He's a godly guy. He's in the section. And you could search for the right seat for your whole life. You're just not going to have that clarity beyond this is the type of person to look for. Are you in the right job? God would say it's about how you work at your job. Are you in the right section? Conclusion. How do I know if I'm missing the will of God? Am I living in obedience to his known will? Because if I'm not, I'm missing the will of God. Like I mentioned earlier with the GPS thing, on the way to the game, we took a turn and I was following it and I realized it was one of those those terms where you didn't realize you were headed the wrong direction. It looked like you were taking the right exit and then it, you quickly see, oh man, I am headed the wrong direction. And we've all been there before, or probably you have, where you see recalculating and it gives you the new path and it shows you where to go. A message like this, I know, makes a lot of us feel like I have blown God's will for my life. I have spent years, I have spent relationships, I have done things that were contradictory to God's clear will for my life. And here's what I want you to know. You're not too far gone 
You're not at a place where you can't be brought back, but you've got to stop listening to yourself and start listening to the word of God, to the divine instructions that are saying, recalculating, I'm not done with you, we're gonna get back to that direction, but you've gotta stop trusting your way of doing things, or you're gonna end up at a place that you don't wanna be, any more than a person driving going, oh, Waze has no idea where the stadium is, I'm going my own way. And that choice is only one that you can make. And it's gonna go, I mean, I'm surrendering, not to a church, not to a person, but God, I'm gonna surrender the savior of the world, Jesus, my savior, and to his word that he gave me because he loves me so much. He showed that love by dying in my place on a cross. And you've gotta make the decision. Are you gonna keep going or surrender and experience God's will for your life? If you're not a follower of Jesus, here's his will for your life. You're in a church on a Tuesday night July 12th, 2022, because eternity is real and God gave his life for you on a cross. And one day in all of eternity, you're gonna stand before him and you'll have no excuse to say, God, I never heard that you loved me and gave your life for me on the cross. I never heard the message that Jesus was the savior of the world. God sent into earth and he gave his life for me. He gave it for everyone. He gave it for everything wrong I've ever done. And no amount of good deeds will ever earn my way to have a relationship with God. Only by trusting in Jesus can I have eternal life. You can't stand before him and say, I've never heard that before. Because today is his day of saying, July 10th, July 12th, 2022, you were introduced to the savior of the world who's been pursuing you from the moment you took your first breath until the moment you take your last. And the choice is yours to receive that and step into his will for your life. Let me pray. Father, I pray for anyone who's carrying shame, anyone who's carrying baggage from decisions and ways that all of us have fallen short of the standard and fallen short of your plan and your will for our life, that you would give us the conviction to surrender to your word and to reach a destination through your divine direction coming alongside of us helping us walk with you, experience the life that you gave your life for. I pray for anyone who's never trusted you with their eternal life and with this life, tonight would be their night. In Christ's name, amen.